As we turn to Luke chapter 17, and I'm going to read uh, eight verses of scripture there, verse 12 through 19 out of the New Living Translation. And the title of today's message is 10 reasons, 10 reasons to give thanks, 10 reasons to give thanks, 10 reasons to give thanks. It says this, as he, he being Jesus in verse 12, entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. They, they couldn't be close, so they had to cry out and, and they were crying, Jesus, hey, look at us over here, the outcasts, those, those in obscurity, have, have mercy on us. Don't just do ministry to, to those that are in society. What about those of us that are marginalized and on the fringes of society? Hey, Jesus, look this way. And he looked to them and he said, go show yourself to the priest. Look at this statement. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. It's, it's very hard for me to move on from that verse. I could preach that verse right there with, with more enthusiasm, more energy, and for longer than you have time today. But I got to keep going. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God, hallelujah, wow, I'm healed. And he fell on the ground on his face at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Check this out, Daniel, you ready for this? He was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. Man, that's, that's some preaching in that, but I gotta move on. Jesus asked, wasn't there 10 reasons to give thanks? Didn't I heal 10 men? Didn't I heal 10 of you? Where are the other nine? Where are the nine? Where are those today that God has blessed, that God has kept, that God has protected, that God has healed, that God has delivered, that God has restored, that God has put your family back in order, that God's given you grace and mercy and new opportunity. Where are they? Jesus said, where are they? Has no one returned on this Sunday morning? Are they so busy living it up in my blessings? The benefits of my hand that they forgot the value of my face. Has no one returned to give glory to God except this old foreigner, except this old drug addict? Hey, hey! <laughs> Woo! Except this old adulterer. Except this old convict. Except this old ex-alcoholic. Except this old sinner. Except this old deadbeat dad. Has no one returned? Have all of the high and mighty forgotten on this Sunday morning? Or was it just one old outcast, one old foreigner that remembered that he was under the spout where the glory and the blessings came out? And Jesus said to that one man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Father, there's so much in this today. I've, I've got four simple thoughts and I, uh, I sense you, I know you're here, but I wanna surrender to you. I wanna, I wanna present my offering to you, me 
and I want you to move through me, but God, not for me, not for a pat on the back, not for accolades of men, not for an attaboy, not for affirmation. God, my heart, the older I get, my my heart is to see people changed, to to, to see people's lives enriched, to see people's faith deepened, to to see their dreams come to pass, to, to see their best that you have for them become the reality of their lives. God, I know you're here today for that reason. And, and I just ask to be out of your way so that no hindrance would come through me, that you could do what you want to do in your people's hearts, in their minds, in their spirits, so that ultimately it becomes a part of their lives. And if folks, church, if you would agree with that today, I need somebody to give God a great big amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise today as you're seated. Thank you so much, Pastor Chad. I'm going to just jump right into this today because um, most of the time when I come, I come with one thought. I, I come with sometimes two thoughts. And, and on, a, on a good Sunday when I've eaten my Wheaties, I come with three thoughts. But today I'm going to skip context and I'm going to skip introduction because I don't have one thought. I don't have two thoughts. I don't, I don't have three thoughts. I have four thoughts. Uh, I'm going to need all the extra time that I can get this morning, Aubrey, to shuck this corn. So I want to get on with the get on. I've got a dear friend. Some of you know him. I'll probably get a phone call from him or maybe from his pastor after someone in the community hears this. But, but I've got an old friend. He's been a friend for a long time. His name's Larry Cash. And uh, many of you know Mr. Larry and Sandra and their family. But, but uh, every time Larry would come to church... In the olden days with me, Larry would say, I just want to know one thing, preacher. He'd meet me at the front. I'd be, how you doing? Welcome, everybody. Love you. How many points you got tonight? How many points you got this morning? Don't be having no six points. Don't be having. So I changed it from points to truths. I'd get up there next week and I'd say, hey, I have four truths that I want to share. He caught me at the door. He said, I see what you did. You got off in points. Now you're on keys and truths and aspects. I know, but it's still points. Still points. <laughs> so this morning, I got four truths for you, four points for you, four aspects for you that I believe will be a blessing to all of us from this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to ask the media booth if they'll just throw the first thought up here on the screen. And, and, and this is going to be uh, basic to many of you, but we're going to add some depth to it. And, and that thought is this, that oftentimes our conditions add or bring separation. Oftentimes, our conditions add or bring or produce separations. Uh, This is going to be a a, a message that's going to cause you in the same spirit that Pastor Chad said earlier to be somewhat introspective. You're not going to be able to look to the left or to the right this morning and say, I hope she's listening. I I hope he's listening. I I hope they're here this morning. They really need to hear this. No, this message today is going to be for you. So just, you don't have to worry about putting your neck on a swivel this morning. You're going to have to look in your own heart a little bit and and just trust that the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing and he's talking to you. If I could have someone be so bold to be transparent today and to to be willing to put their lives out there uh, in vulnerability before God, not before me or not before the church this morning, I I would maybe think as one example or one illustration that first comes to mind, uh, maybe a husband and and, and maybe a wife, maybe you're in a marriage situation and, and maybe there's something in your marriage. It could be something as simple as household chores, 
It, it could be something as complex as finances. It could even be something uh, as hairy to navigate as, as convictions and morals and aspirations for your children. Somebody, I feel somebody saying, man, I feel like Pastor John's kind of speaking out of the overflow of his own heart right now, out of, out of the abundance of his, of his own experiences right now. Well, you would be 100% accurate. Most preachers and communicators of the gospel preach out of what they've experienced, what they've gone through, their perspective, their bent in life. As, as Brooke and I have navigated many of those challenges over the last 12 years, and let me just take a moment to say, even though she's not in here today, she, she is the leading lady, first lady of the church, but also serves throughout the week and even on Sunday mornings because it's our heart, it's our culture. She and I had the privilege to celebrate a dozen of our anniversaries this past week, and she and I got away for a day or two, got to go to a little small town and see Christmas lights and do a little Christmas shopping. It, it was fun and I, I love her so much, but that's not to say that we've not had to navigate things. And as we've navigated things and, and conditions arise or situations arise, it oftentimes has brought separation. Come on, is anybody, is anybody still holding a grudge against the guy you rode here with today? Is anybody still holding a grudge against the lady that, that drove you here today or rode in the car with you here is anybody know that I'm talking right now to you that 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 condition can bring separation you can be harboring resentment or bitterness or unforgiveness against someone else against some hurt or some pain or some letdown or some difficulty that someone else has has exposed you to in life and what that thing will do is it will call separation it'll call separation between you and that person it'll call separation eventually if you leave it unattended between you and other people between other groups of people it, it will even cause separation ultimately when you get to a place where your hurt demands that you obey it where your offense demands that you go with it over your surrender to God to offer grace and forgiveness it'll start bringing a breach in there between you and God because you now are saying to God I know better than you and you begin to feel distant from God See, 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 situations and conditions have a way of separating us. Maybe some of you are in here, and I'll move on. Maybe, maybe some of you have struggled with alcohol. Maybe some of you have struggled with alcohol addiction. Maybe you have struggled with drugs. Maybe you've struggled with pornography. Maybe you've struggled with hate, or maybe you've struggled with any other sort of vice in this life that can bring you into bondage, whether it be, there's a dime a dozen. I don't want to just list them here today because I don't want to spend my effort just listing the litany list I want to minister the facts and the truth but whatever it is that you may have struggled with in life when when the Holy Spirit shows up and starts saying surrender this and lay this down and don't go this way and I don't want you to be here and you persist on in doing that being hard-headed and stubborn it'll produce separation with you and your spouse separation between you and your family separation between you and your friends and ultimately you even get to a place where you feel distant from God there's a, there's a passage of scripture that, that I want to read, and they're not going to throw this on the screens, but it's, it's found in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. Many of you are going to know this. This is the basic concept or premise that I'm talking about. Here's what Isaiah said. He said, it's your sin that has separated you or cut you off from God because your sins God has had now to turn away his face, and he will not listen anymore. 
I, I, I just want to share something with you today, and, and that scripture is true. That, that scripture is biblical. That, that scripture is Bible, but, but I want you to know that scripture is also one level of revelation in God's word. There are many of us in here that are Old Testament Christians. There, there are many of us in here that are Old Testament in our theology and Old Testament in our thinking. I, I just want you to know that that was indeed a premise. That was indeed a thought. That was indeed a doctrine. That was indeed a teaching that needed to be propagated because humanity has to understand that our sin separates us from God. It never says that God was mad at us. It never says that God wanted to be separated from us. It said the thing that we've grown attached to above our attachment to God is now demanding that God separate himself from that thing, not from you. You have chosen that. I've chosen that. And man needed to understand that. We, we needed to hear that to understand that these things in life, these conditions have the ability to bring separation. You're, you're probably saying, well, I mean, you're doing a lot of practical preaching right now, but I like Bible, Pastor, and, and, and I want you to attach some Bible in there. Well, maybe you didn't see it. Listen, listen to the scripture. Listen, listen to what it says right here. I just, just as he entered a village, there were not just one persons or three persons or five persons. There were 10 persons. There were 10 men, and they all had leprosy, and their condition or their situation demanded by Jewish law that they be separated from society, that they live in obscurity, so they could not draw near, and they're having to shout, hey, Jesus, look over here at us. They were sick and tired of being sick and tired. They were ready to get out of the obscurity of life. They were ready to come out of the passion and the bondage and the brokenness that they had been held in. They were saying, anything's better than where I'm at right now. Hey, I don't care what I have to go against. I don't, I don't care who gets mad. I don't, I don't care what rules I break. Jesus, look at me over here. Help me come out of this. There was separation in these 10 lepers' life. Let's just get a little, let's just slow it down a bit. Did, did you know that means they wasn't going home for Thanksgiving? You, you do mean, you do understand they weren't going home for Christmas. You, you do understand that they weren't coddling their grandchildren this afternoon. You do understand they weren't gathered around a, a family meal. You understand that, that this sentence that had been enacted on them, this edict that this condition had produced meant separation entirely from everything that they loved. They, they didn't have a normal life. This was their life. It would be like a sentence in a concentration camp in a prison just left to your own ruin to die. I, I, can I drop something on you? Is I, I got, do I got the truth built up enough yet for everybody to understand? You, you do understand that leprosy is a symbol always spiritually of sin. The, those 10 leopards in a illustrative form represent you and your sin surrendered to it above your surrender to God always ending up in a place of ruin, bound there and confound there and confined there until you die. The, the, these 10 men represent how any of us, any, say any of us, don't say my neighbor, don't say my mama, don't say my brother, don't say that person, say any of us. This represents how any of us can be. 
left in this place. But, but I want to show you a New Testament principle why systematic theology is important. Okay, that's a 50 cent Bible term for you. That's a, that's a seminary school term for you. I, I want to show you why not just stopping at one aspect of the revelation that the Bible shares with humanity. All right, time out. All right, I hear you, Holy Spirit. Side note, we're going to go on a rabbit trail. Does everybody understand that you are a creation? And and the fact that you are a creation means that there is a creator. So that creator gives two forms of revelation of himself in this earth. You ready? General and specific. Can I tell you what general revelation is? Look out there on that bayou. Look out there. See those trees? See that water, see that grass, that air you can't see? Those are all creations of a creator, not your granddaddy. And the Bible says that the world, day unto day, night unto night, speaks to all people groups, India, Africa, Japan, China, Russia, creation speaks every day that there is a creator. And the Bible even goes so far as to say there is no language out there that does not know that creation speaks to being the creation of a creator. That's called general revelation of not. Can I give you the second one? You ready for this? Mm -hmm. Take a big swallow. Conscience. Conscience. The Bible tells us that inside of every man, inside of every woman, is the known knowledge of God. And conscience bears witness that there is a creator. And those are general forms of revelation of God. And everyone has them in every time period, in every land, in every dispensation. Now let's talk about special revelation you do understand that the word of god which was written by over 200 authors only two of which being gentile over a period of thousands of years 95 percent of them never even knew each other who wrote the same story if i told aubrey a story and ask it to go through the three or four hundred of you here today and to end right here with melissa that story would not be the same by the time it got over here now no matter how attently you tried to keep it literal but this bible over centuries over thousands of years has remained the same this specialized revealed word of God is God saying specially specifically to us as his creation this is what I want you to know God has preserved this thing there have been ambles there have been hammers of humanist and secularist and ideologists who have tried to pound and beat and chip away at this word and this word has remained strong and true and all of the anvil of time have worn themselves out beating on this word and been found to be proven false where this word has always been found to be proven true 
This word comes back and says, listen to me, Oaks Church. There are people out there today. Oh, I'm going to bring it home and drop it on your doorstep like a FedEx delivery driver right now. Put that first thought back up on the screens. This is what the Holy Spirit's got churning inside of me. Conditions, our conditions, their conditions, they've brought and they've added separation. But we got to get out of this Old Testament mindset where we're afraid to talk to these people and to touch these people and to help these people people because that's not at all what the New Testament says. The New Testament says that Jesus stopped what he was doing as to say, I'm not afraid of you outcasts. I'm not afraid of you drug addicts. I'm not afraid of you racists. I'm not afraid of you people on Skid Row. I'm not afraid of you people in Angola. I'm not afraid of you people in recovery homes. Hey, you want to be healed of your leprosy? Just do what I tell you to do. And not only does he stop that day from his divine assignment, where he's going, what he's doing, to help them get out of their condition. But in Matthew chapter 8, he walks right square over to a leper and does the unfathomable. As a Jewish rabbi, he puts his hand on the leper and says, I am willing, be cleansed. See, here's what the Old Testament says. The Old Testament says, stay away from those people because they'll make you dirty. The New Testament revelation that God has revealed to humanity says what's inside of you is greater than what's inside of them. Touch them so they can be clean. Touch them so that they can be healed. Is, is, is everybody picking up what, what I'm trying to tell you? You got to get to that place in God, in that place in Revelation, in that place in the Scriptures where you can say, greater is he who is in me than he that is in this world. That, that if God be for me, it don't matter literally who in hell is against me. That I am the light of this world. I am the salt of this earth. I am a city set upon a hill. I am the righteousness of Almighty God. And I have the ability to go out and to touch lepers and to make them clean with his word, with my prayers, with his spirit, with my love, with grace and forgiveness. This is what God's calling us to do. But listen to me, don't ever forget, even though you become a dispensary of that grace, you can still find yourself in a place of isolation and separation from God where you begin to harbor conditions that becomes sin, leprosy in your life that keep you even from God. Now, here's what I want you to know. You ready for this? God is not afraid of your sin. God is not afraid of your mistakes. God's not afraid of your failures. God's not afraid of what you got going on right now that no one knows, that you think no one knows. God's not afraid of it. And I know this is a very uncomfortable moment. Somebody's like, go on to that second thought. I want you to know the God of the New Testament that says, you ready? I am willing, be thou cleansed. I am willing. Listen, listen, what, what do you got today? What, what do you got? What do you got that the Lord needs? What, what do you got? Where, where is that place? Where is that pain? Where is that bitterness? Where, where is that addiction? Where is that brokenness? Where is that hurt? Where is that miracle you need? Where, where is that hope? Where is that optimism? Where is that joy? That zero? Where is it? Listen, you ready for this? It's a blank check. It's a big blank check. Anybody ever given you a blank check? I, I have a friend. I'm going to tell a funny story here because this is Thanksgiving. This is family time today. I have a friend named Doug Pollock. Many of you know Doug, right? And uh, Doug Pollock was the manager 
of counterculture, where a corner coffee house is now. His, his boss owns that whole little shopping strip, Danny Prince. And uh, there had been a, a, a outpatient drug treatment center in a facility right next to Washita Valley Federal Credit Union on New Natchitoches. And, and they pulled out, I can't remember what it was called, there was two or three health clinics there. Some of them dealt with addiction and, and Doug was making sandwiches, riding a bicycle, living in City of Faith. And, uh, <laughs> and Doug's ball said to him, Ask Pastor John, ask Pastor Shane, ask, do they want to put a drug treatment kit? Ask Pastor Denny, can you go to Shreveport, can you go to Evangel? And we started looking at, at doing all that, and, and it just kept being a no, kept being a no, kept being a no, and the doors kept closing, and, and it was, you know, and then it was, well, we're going to make it an SUM, and then that became, well, no, I don't want it to be a Bible college, I want it to be a drug treatment. That's, that's been my DNA, that's been a part of who I am for 15 years, Bible college and drug recovery homes. I wonder why, because I came out of prison, out of drug recovery homes and went to Bible college. It's just who I am. I don't know how to get away from it. And they kept saying no and kept saying no, and we can't do this. And then all of a sudden one day, Doug says to me, he says, I can do it. I can do a faith-based recovery program with state funding. I said, Doug, that don't exist. He said, I can do it. I said, Doug, you're crazy. He said, man, with friends like you, I don't need enemies. Just kidding, just kidding. I didn't tell him that. I said, Doug, you can do it. He went to Danny Prince. I don't know what he told Danny Prince, but whatever he told him must have had anointing of the Holy Spirit. When Doug Pollock came back to the halfway house, do you know what he had in his personal wallet? <laughs> he had a blank check from Danny Prince that said, do whatever it takes to put a recovery treatment center back in that facility. Doug was riding a bicycle and living at City of Faith. He had a blank check from Danny Prince. <laughs> that blank check could have went anywhere. That blank check could have went to Friendly Finance. That blank check oh, could have went to Tower Loans. That blank check could have went to the Dope House. That blank check could have went to a Corvette. That blank check could have, I mean, there is no telling. Would you give a blank check to me? Would you give a blank check to your spouse? Would you give a blank check to your children? He gave this man in a half house a blank check. I am blowing up the story of a blank check because listen to me, the story of the blank check from heaven is bigger than that blank check Danny Prince gave Doug Pollock. It's a blank check that says, I am willing. I am willing to free you. I am willing to forgive you. I'm willing to deliver you. I'm willing to empower you. I am willing to make you new. I'm willing to give you a future. I'm willing to give you a hope. I am willing. Is the willingness now a matter of our part? Because I don't, I don't think there's a lack of willingness on God's part. See, we used to say this a long time ago. It's tough preaching for this day and age, but, but the truth is all of us have as much of God in our lives as we want right now. All of us are in the place with God, with our walk, with our faith, where we choose to be because God's made you a free will moral agent. God's given you the freedom to choose and your freedom doesn't scare God in his sovereignty. He can still be God even though you have free will. God said though, if you choose, if you surrender your free, if you start moving towards me, oh, trust it, baby, I'm gonna move towards you. I will show you great and mighty things. I will do things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. They're as high as the heavens are from the earth. I will astonish you with what I will do if you'll move towards me. So where are you at right now? It could be a matter 
of your own willingness. It's a matter of my own willingness. Second thought that that I want to throw up there today. I I need to get going because I I know I spent a lot of time there. This healing, this deliverance, this miracle that, that I'm talking about today, belaboring up here today, listen to me, is oftentimes a process, but it's a process of faith. The Bible says that, that we begin with faith, we move with faith, we end in faith. He is the author of our faith, but he's also the keeper of our faith. He's also the perfecter of our faith. It's from faith in the beginning to faith to the end. It's a process of faith. Look at this. He looked at them and he said nonchalantly, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. What? I don't, I don't understand. Like if I would have been having a prayer moment with Jesus this morning saying, heal me of my leprosy. And he would have said, go do something. Do you know what I would have said? I would have been just like pastor Chad when he gets up here and he's vulnerable every week. Like, Oh God, heal me of this hurt. Oh God, heal me of this pain. Oh God, heal me of this addiction. And God says, go sign up for a life group. Go drive on the parking lot. Go get on the worship team. Take the kids to you camp. Oh God, do this. Oh God, begin to serve. He begins to tell you, you're like, what? What is me going to the priest? What is me serving in kids? What is me going to a reach event? What is me taking a U trip? What is me serving in the littles? What is me giving? What, what is me doing something have to do with my miracle? I need breakthrough today. I need freedom today. God, I demand an answer. And what God is trying to say to many of our hard hearts and thick necks is our miracle is in the making when we begin to move to the miracle worker, that it's a process of healing that comes by faith. Check this out. So they didn't argue with God. They didn't tell God the 10 reasons why they couldn't be grateful. They didn't tell God the 10 reasons why he couldn't do what he said. They didn't tell God the reasons why it can't work out, why it can't be resolved. They didn't feel like they needed to educate and now plan the moving of the Holy Spirit. They just did something dumbfounding, outstanding and radical. They just said, well, I guess I'm going to the priest. The priest had never healed one leper. I about about tore up. I don't know how much this microphone costs, but you paid for it and thank you for it because it helps me keep whatever. I about tore this microphone. I'm so sorry. You want me to do what? Them fools ain't never have nobody. They ain't never cleanse nobody. They gonna stone me. I ain't even supposed to be at the temple. I can't even go into that. They're gonna talk about me. They're gonna put me down. Anybody getting the memo? Anybody, anybody getting what? Anybody getting what the Holy Spirit? They never healed anybody. But all of a sudden, the Bible says, as they radically, obediently just started moving with whatever the voice of the Holy Spirit said to do, forgive, surrender, quit, move back, move. As they went, they looked up and their leprosy was gone. They said, what in God's name is this? Where are the spots? Where's the disease? The miracle's in the making, but it's in the movement. I I think about, I I think about John chapter two, wedding at Cana. I'm a disciple of Jesus, right? We're hanging out. They're having a party. 
they run out of fermented grape juice, otherwise known as wine. Jesus says, well, go fill up the water pots. Excuse me? You, you, you do realize that those six, you, you do realize, Jesus, I mean, I don't know if you're really Jewish. You, you do realize that those six water pots over there, 30 gallons, that's 180 gallons. You, you do realize every guest here has washed their ears, their hands, their feet, and their armpits in those six water pots. You want me to go fill up the six water pots of foot water, draw out the ladle, don't just take it to the groom. I might have could have lived after that. Don't just take it to the bride. You want me to take it to John Bell Edwards? To the governor? They're going to kill me. I could have given Jesus 10 reasons why I wasn't doing it. On the spot, on command, I could have. But some crazy faith-filled disciple went over there and filled up the foot water pots and drew out a ladle and by the time he left the foot water to the governor's mouth it had become sparkling white red grape juice like ain't nobody ever drank before sometimes the miracles in the making while we're in the movement you got to be moving towards and with the wind and the breath of the holy spirit What's he saying? Put that, put that statement back up on the screens. I, I, I can't tell, I'm not God, I don't get to tell you. I'm not the wind, I'm not the breath. Healing is often in the process. You gotta, you gotta start that process with faith. You gotta get up in the morning and start reading the Bible. You gotta turn on that podcast. You gotta realize that your old hard heart isn't ever gonna tell you to do the things that the Holy Spirit would tell you to do from heaven. You gotta move with him. You gotta stay committed, even when it would be easier to quit. Even when you wanna throw in the towel. Even when you wanna slap somebody in the face or throat punch them one good time for being an idiot. You just gotta keep moving with God and in the end you're going to look up check this out and the Bible says that they were healed 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 the Greek word you probably know it and heard me or Chad or Pastor Todd, Pastor Rhonda or someone say it before some other pastor, some other church katharizo, katharizo it literally means to be clean. It, it, it means the thing that made you unclean is now gone. Here's what James comes back and says with another layer of that special revelation. James chapter 2 verse 17. He says, so you see, just having faith in life is not enough. You have to have the type of faith that produces actions and leads to deeds that are in line with what your mouth has said you believe or else the faith you say you have is simply mere words it's dead it's empty wind put this statement on the screen 10 reasons to give thanks I, I, Chad, I don't know if we've ever done this. I, you come on, come to this piano now. I don't know if I'm going to make it. You might want to turn that sucker on organ. 
Somebody may want to go outside and get one of them Oaks Church flags and get ready to run. I, I don't know. <laughs> when Jesus has done a lot, <laughs> you love a lot. <laughs> Ain't no high <laughs> like the most high. <laughs> Ain't no party like a Holy Spirit party. As Paul said, I done been a fool for the devil. I done been a fool for the world. Now I'm going to be a fool for God. Huh? They used to say a long time ago, oh, don't get scared now. You wasn't scared when you was out there robbing and stealing. You wasn't scared when you was out there knocking off old ladies for their purses. You don't get scared now when you was out there living in sin. Don't get scared now when you was out there cheating on your wife. Don't get scared now when you was out there lying on your taxes. Don't get scared in church now. You know you used to not be scared out there living that life of sin. I'm talking about when Jesus has done a lot, all of a sudden what it produces inside of you is a great love in you that says, I don't care what anybody thinks. This ain't between me and you right now. This between me and him right now. I feel like that woman who was a prostitute who had them seven demons cast out of her that broke that joil of precious ointment that everybody talked about and said we could have sold that and paid for the church building we could have fed Hope Street for a year with that money I don't care what anybody says right now because I don't come out of a lot the Lord has been faithful he has delivered he's healed he's set free I've never stuck another needle in my arm I don't serve a life sentence today I'm not in Angola in the state penitentiary I've been married for 12 years I've been sober every challenge that the enemies ever rose up in my life I've watched God break it destroy it set me free he's kept me he's protected me he's given me beautiful children he's given us a great church his spirits here today there's a building for us to move to there's a city for us to reach if I didn't have anything else to praise God for today that would be enough but there's still more and I'm out of breath. Listen to me, listen to me. He, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was from the South Side. This man was from Balcomville. This man was from OCC. This man was from Kingdom Recovery. This man was from CR. This man was from that old trashy place of sinners. This man was from that little bar downtown. That man was right there from that. He was a Samaritan. Listen to me. Deliverance determines devotion. Deliverance determines devotion. I'm, I'm going to show you this. Luke chapter 7. Verse 47 says this, as they were talking about this woman, as she poured out that precious oil, that, that perfume, that, that costly praise that cost her everything, that everybody could think of every other reason, armchair quarterbacking, of what she should have done, what Jesus should have done, and what should have been done in that moment. He said, I tell you guys, her sins, oh, <laughs> if the church roof was ever going to fall in on anybody, it was going to be her her sins listen when Jesus said your sins are many they many <laughs> he said listen I tell you boy her sins oh by the way they are many 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 I don't mean many I mean many 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 her sins which they were many they 
have been forgiven. She has now shown much love because she's been forgiven much. She, she has a revelation. She has an understanding of just how far away she was, just how dejected she was, just how in bondage she was, just how broken she was, just how hopeless she was, just how outside of God's graces she was. But let me tell you boys something. He that has a small understanding, that has a small revelation, that thinks he's all right and all good, he will also love little because his understanding is he's only been forgiven love put this statement on the screen that third statement please when Jesus has done a lot you love a lot when Jesus has done a lot you love a lot you say pastor I, I think now I understand why you why you've been preaching this morning, really kind of building up the human condition, not just your condition, the human condition apart from God. The, the, the reason I've been building it up and making it so big is so that you can understand how much bigger the love of God is towards you, how much bigger the grace of God is towards you, how much passion there is, how, how, much, how much forgiveness there is, how much restoration there is in the Father's heart towards you to see you back, to see you new, to see you forgiven, to see you cleansed, to see you at your best, to see you walking in fulfillment to everything God's placed in your path and in your life. I don't know what's convinced you you're outside of that today, but I want you to know that is pale in comparison to God's ability to reach you right where you're at. Mm. Mm. When Jesus has done a lot, you love a lot. When, when, when Jesus has done a lot, it's easy to walk outside and pick up trash on Sunday morning, no matter what your title is. When, when, when Jesus has done a lot, it's easy to love people, no matter where they are. When Jesus has done a lot, it's, it's easy to say I'm sorry. When Jesus has done a lot, it's easy to forgive. When Jesus has done a lot, it's easy to say I'm not God and you are and I surrender to you. I'll let you start driving. When Jesus has done a lot, it's easy to come under conviction and come back in line. When Jesus has done a lot, it's easy to get up early. When Jesus has done a lot, it's easy to sit down and have Bible study. When Jesus has done a lot, it's easy to go to life group. When Jesus has done a lot, it's easy to go out and outreach in the community. When Jesus has done a lot, when you keep that in the forefront of your mind it's easy to do all the things that the world has told you it's hard to do it's easy <clears throat> last statement last statement <clears throat> see thankfulness has transforming power When you live in a continual state of I don't deserve, I didn't belong. When you live in a continual state of I am not good enough. When you live in a continual state of I didn't bring myself here. It's easy to be thankful for where you are. When, 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 when the focus shifts to my last name. When the focus shifts to 
my financial standing, when the focus shifts to my education, when the focus shifts to my home or our neighborhood or our family or my connections or my good looks or my ability, when the focus shifts to you, it's very easy to get dejected and frustrated and mad and upset because everything you're banking and putting your trust in is flawed. But when you continually look to God and say, wow, how did I get here? Wow, it, ha it hadn't always been perfect. But boy, you've been faithful in it. Wow, how did I end up with this spouse? How did I end up out of jail? How did I end up with this family? How did I end up with this business? How, how did I end up with these morals? How did I end up with these grandchildren? How did we end up in this home? How did, this is nothing but you, God. It's, it's easy. Say, God, it was only you. This, this is because of you. My gratitude is to you. It's, it's easy for me to give away. It's easy for me to sow. It's easy for me to love. It's easy for me to forgive. It's easy for me to pour out because I remember now in this moment, it was all him and never me. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus asked, hey, wow, I'm so glad you came back. But weren't there 10? Are they, are they coming behind you? I, 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 I think this is a thought. This, this is as awkward as a New Testament thought as the one to me that Pastor Denny preached at um, the Kingdom Builders Banquet when he, when he talked about Jesus propping up at the temple and calling his disciples over and say, watch, watch when they give. Like, how many of you know, we are like low pressure, put giving in your face people here. Because it's, it's weird, it's awkward. You know, we want people to understand that you're giving to God, giving to God's kingdom, giving to something bigger than yourself, giving to ministry, missions, and outreach. But, but you know, I don't want to say, here, put an offering bucket in front of, hey, give today. But Jesus goes, hey, come over here, watch him give. Watch him, watch him, watch him. How many of you know, when you give today, you don't want nobody watching this is awkward to me that Jesus comes back and he says, hey, hey. Where are those 800 people that call Oaks Church their home? Where, where, where are they at? And, and I'm not saying that because you think I'm the pastor and just want everybody to be here. I do, so everybody please come for Christmas. And I'm not saying people are not out there. <laughs> you know, grateful to God today. That's, I'm not being shallow like that. I, I'm just saying, I can also tell you that, that sometimes God's blessings get so good in our life, we get on cruise control and we forget to be thankful. We're so worried about God's provision from his hand. We forget about the intimacy of his face. We forget about our heart connecting with his heart and spirit connecting with his spirit. We forget about that intimate connection with him where he molds us and shapes us. It gets about all the other stuff. I, I, I'm just saying, this is weird to me that Jesus says, hey, Roll call. Number one, didn't show up. Number two, didn't show up. Number three, he calls out, not four of them, not six. He calls out all nine of them. That's, that's tough to me, but it's still Bible. It's still Jesus. He says, where are they? Why didn't they come back? There were 10 people that got cleansed. There were 10 people that aren't walking around as outcasts anymore. There are 10 people whose families have been put back together. There's 10 people free from their addiction. There's 10 people with a business center. All of them. 
How come only one? How come only one came back? This one guy, this one guy comes back. This leper. Jesus said, didn't 10 men get healed? Where are the other nine? He says, has no one returned to give glory to God except this one old half-breed? Except this one old, this, this one old guy. I just, I just would like, that would, I would just like to scratch that guy's name out and write my name right there. Has, has nobody come back except John? And you say, oh, well, that's self-righteous of you. I don't know. I didn't mean it like that. I, I'm just saying, I just want to stay mindful that my human condition, apart from Jesus, is degenerate. It's, it's broken. It's, has no one returned to come back and give God glory except this foreigner. So Jesus said to the man, you know what? <laughs> Stand up and go your way. Your faith that began this process, when you took the foot water, when you went to the priest that ain't never healed nobody, serving on a serve team ain't never helping nobody. That just takes more. You don't know. I see people, I walked in here today and you're thinking, oh, they just lobbying for serve team. Yes! But I'm trying to tell you there's a bigger blessing. I walked through that kitchen today. Jeff Reynolds leads a parking lot team. Cold, wind, rain, snow. I, I guess he was going to be a few minutes late today. He called his boys. He said, I need them golf carts out, batteries charged, filled up with gas, clean, sitting out front. When, when he got here today, they were standing in the kitchen like the police force waiting on their debriefing. Them golf carts were out there, spit, shine, gas, battery charge, picking up people. And Miss Jody said, God, I got to steal some of his guys back there. Rhonda said, I don't know how in the world he gets him people to do all that, but we got to have him come teach our serve team class. But when I got in the golf cart with Willie Barton, this where you at, Willie? When I got areas. Anybody needing to buy a car? Willie Good Deals. He got you, baby. Willie Good Deals. I got in the golf cart with Willie, and it's freezing cold. Willie got on two pairs of pants. He's picking up people, and we're driving. And he looked over at me, and Willie's going through a tough time. I'm not going to put his business out there. He's, he's going through some stuff in his life. He's been through a lot, but he's going through. And he looked over at me, and we're driving. We're both on the front seat. I hope nobody saw us. I thought this was weird. And he looks over at me, and with the biggest smile in the midst of adversity, with love in his heart, in the midst of hardship, he looked at me, and he threw his arm around me. He said, I love you, Pastor John. I love you, and I'm so grateful to be here this morning and to be a part. And there was a joy. There was something God was doing. He Healing the hurt, healing the brokenness, healing the pain, healing the confusion, because he was doing something that don't make sense. Going to the priest. <laughs> Here's what your mind said. You mean getting up early, putting on two pairs of pants, going out? You mean tell me that's how God go heal me? It might be. He might spit in your eyes. I don't know. <laughs> Every time somebody built a little box, said, God, this is how you're supposed to move. He'll do something to get out of that box. Ain't no box big enough to own God. This guy comes back. 
and he says to Jesus, stand up and go. The faith that started you moving, the faith that kept you moving, and now the faith that brought you back, your faith hasn't now cleansed you. Your faith has now healed you. Now, you may not see this in the English Bible, but that's not the word katharizo there. That's the word sozizo. How many of you know Jesus hadn't died yet? How many of you know Jesus isn't on a cross yet? How many of you know his blood hadn't been shed yet? How many of you know there'd been no altar of atonement, atonement made in the throne room of God? How many of you know the graves in Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 and 51 and 52 had not cracked open yet? There had been no first resurrection. None of this. Jesus had not returned, spent 40 days on the earth. He'd not been seen by the disciples. He had not been seen by over 500. There had been no outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus looks right at this man and he offers something to him with this attitude of gratitude that nobody had gotten to this point. Salvation in a spiritual sense. He says, yeah, you, your leprosy's gone. You're free of your, you're cleansed of your, of your hurt and your pain, your addiction and all that stuff that's confused you. He said, but now there's a second blessing. There's a subsequential blessing that your gratitude just made you a candidate for that none of the nine are going to get. Your faith has now healed you. Now let's, let's, let's work on this. <laughs> This, this guy, this guy, let's just be literal, either just gets spiritual salvation, soterio, sozo. He, he just gets regenerated through his faith in Jesus as the Son of God before that's even a thing yet. Or, <laughs> this word, sozo, which means made whole. This don't mean cleanse, this means made whole. Or the fingers... And the noses and the ears that leprosy and the infection and the deadening of the nerves had taken pieces of his face falling off it all of a sudden right there in the presence of Jesus that stuff all of a sudden grew back remember I said let's talk about salvation today <clears throat> God is three yet one and one yet three <clears throat> we're not tritheistic I don't believe in three gods I believe in one God but I believe in three persons of that one Godhead. And I believe we can see them all three active and present in the scripture. And they all three have an active role in our life. When God makes man who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he makes all of us in the image of God. And in the image of God, he created them. And he made you spirit, soul, body, one person, yet triune in your being. God then offers humanity a means of salvation. The God who is tritheistic and created you tritheistic then says to you, I'm going to offer you salvation, but I'm only going to offer you salvation in one sense. You can be spiritually healed. Don't make sense. When God offers you healing, God offers you spiritual healing. He offers you emotional healing. And he offers you physical healing. All three of those are salvation. Don't just pick and choose. This guy gets saved. This guy gets born again. This guy comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And all of a sudden, there's nine lepers running around who are cleansed. But there's only one leper, leper running around with all ten fingers. The other leper... Oh, somebody, you're you going to get that in a minute. You're going to get that in a minute. Some people say, oh yeah, I'm safe. But I'm still missing 
I'm still missing. I'm not being ugly to anybody that's physically challenged or handicapped. You got to be careful with that because that's not what I'm doing. I'm just telling you, there's some of us Christians, we're saved, but we still. And then we run around in that brokenness and in that jacked up state, hurt and hurting other people. It's like Lazarus. Did he get up out of the grave? Heck yeah, he got up out of the grave. Lazarus came up out of the grave. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out there like this. He's alive. What if Jesus would have said, peace out? Lazarus would have been like this the rest of his life. Jesus said, oh, I guess I forgot. Thank God he's alive. Can somebody lose him? Can somebody take off the grave clothes? Can somebody let him go? Can somebody? I don't want to just cleanse you. I don't want to just take the addiction. I don't want to just take the pain. I don't want to just take the, the, the hurt. I don't want to just take it off. I want you to grow back the missing parts that the enemy, I want you to be whole in life. I want you to be full in life. I want you to be able to love again and trust again and walk again. Psalm 50, 23. I'm done. I promise. I'm getting there. But giving thanks to God is a sacrifice. Watch this. Watch this. I'm just being literal. Pastor Ronna, can you say, God, thank you? Can you say, God, thank you? Can you say, God, thank you? That was a really good example of what most of us do as Christians. <laughs> Watch this. Finley, can you help your mom unload the dishwasher? Yeah. Finley, can you help your mom unload? Yeah. Finley, can you help your mom? Yeah. Dad, I said yes three times. Do it. Rhonda, can you, can you give God thanks? Just like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Don't you know that God, the Holy Spirit's in our mouth with a crowbar. <laughs> oh, can you open that thing up? Thank you. <laughs> We're in church. And most of us can't give God thanks. Let me catch you. I'm going to catch some of y'all this week. I'm going to see you at Golden Corral. Yeah, they reopen now. Good luck getting a parking place. I'm going to see some of y'all in town somewhere. And I'm going to say, can you give God thanks? And you're going to go, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to say, well, do it. And you're going to say, Pastor, we're at the golf course. Like, come on, what, 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 I mean, what the golf course? God made the golf course too. We at the hair salon. Well, I don't want to embarrass. They may need the Lord. Watch. I'm gonna catch some of y'all at Car Wash West, and they gonna have not. You gonna be back, and they gonna be not doing something right. You gonna be in there. And I'm gonna say, Hey, can you praise the Lord? Not right now, Pastor. They messed my car. They didn't get my armor all right. They didn't get my armor all right. Can you believe that? I'm like, get a people a break. It's just a car. It's just armor up. You know I'm preaching to myself. Right? <laughs> you get off that front row. <laughs> uh, 
Giving God praise, listen, is a sacrifice. Do, do you understand? It's a sacrifice. Not, not only is, do you understand? I'm trying to talk about the double senses of this. It is sacrificial. It's sometimes you don't want to. I want to be mad. I want to be hurt. I want to, you, yeah, I can, but I'm not. But when we finally do it, we give God thanks. It is a sacrifice. And he knows it's a sacrifice. Sometimes I'm mad. Sometimes I'm hurt. Sometimes I'm disappointed. Sometimes I'm in the mully grub. Sometimes I want to Jackie Chan somebody. Sometimes I want to get out at the red light with a crowbar and bash in your windshield because you cut me off in traffic. I mean, I, I don't want to do that. I just feel that coming from some of y'all. Sometimes after the elections, I want to throw my TV in the front yard. Sometimes at gas prices, I want, you know, sometimes at the economy and the interest rate. Why are we slowing it down? My, that's hurting us worse. I mean, what in the blue blazons are these people doing? Amen. Somebody said, son, you got to get on. I don't feel like praising God right now. I'm mad. I got stuff that won't sell. I'm mad. They did my kids wrong. I'm mad. She didn't take out the trash. Heck no, I ain't take. Thank God. That sucker, that sucker ain't been home to help me put these kids in bed one time this week. I ain't thanking the Lord. Thank God for the house you got their beds in to put them kids in. can't believe gas costs so much. Thank God you got a car to put gas in. Listen, but giving thanks is a sacrifice that honors me. It, it, it doesn't honor the mayor. It, it doesn't honor the governor. It doesn't honor the president. It doesn't honor the political party. It honors God. And if you keep to this path, I will reveal. This, this verb is continual. I will continue to reveal the aspects of my salvation to you. We've just been discussing for a few minutes, and I'm going slow on purpose. The spiritual impact that gratitude makes in our lives. When, when we're grateful, man, it transforms us. It, it'll transform our attitudes, our mindsets, our viewpoint. Man, it transforms us because it, it's, a, it's a transformation of going from incompleteness to completeness to wholeness that only God can produce. A husband can't make you complete. A bank account can't make you complete. A house can't make you complete. A, 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 a relationship can't make you complete. A trophy can't make you complete. That can't, it's all empty and vain. It'll leave you wanting, but, but God, when you give gratitude to him in all things, give 
thanks by all things with prayer and supplication coupled with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God I have discovered in all things how to be grateful how to be content I know how to be grateful with a lot and to manage it well I know how to be thankful in little and manage it well in all things Oh, man, when you get that gratitude, right? You get that, man, God produces a gratefulness inside of you that makes you whole. It brings everything else into perspective. But taking some information that Pastor Rhonda shared with our staff as we were coming into this holiday season, I want to share some scientific facts, some research that had been done by studies, I'm going to go quick and show you the positive effects of gratitude. No, Pastor Chad, I'm done. I promise. Oh, you got to go. Sorry. He gone. <laughs> Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> he said, I didn't know you was going to call me so quick today. Here's what gratitude will do in your life. Scientifically proven, it'll reduce aches and pains. It'll reduce blood pressure. It would allow generosity to be expressed more freely. There is a absolute astonishing decrease in the rate of depression when people are grateful. Being grateful will produce and lead to more friendships. Being grateful gives a greater frequency in your mind and in your life for you to exercise without being bound down and worried. Gratitude reduces the amount of aggression that individuals display towards others around them. Strengthens, are you ready for this? Your immune system. <laughs> Enhances your well-being overall. Decreases reports of envy and resentment towards others and their accomplishments in life. Gratitude increases your empathy and your compassion for other people to understand that they are in bad spots too. Gratitude gives you a better sleep with quality in the night hours, improves your self-esteem. When you're grateful, you'll think more of yourself, which will allow you to think more highly of others. Gives you higher levels of mental resilience to face the challenges of the day. More joy and optimism in your life and decreases loneliness and the desire to isolate when you walk around with the desire to be grateful. I don't know if, if you have thought over the last several minutes of anything that you could be grateful for, but as I land this plane today, here's what I wanna invite you all to do. Obviously, been some tough preaching, been some hard truths, been some encouraging moments and some soul-searching moments in this morning's message. But at the end of it all, it was for one reason, to get you thinking about all the areas in your life going into this Thanksgiving season that you can be thankful. All right? So I want to ask you, would you stand up on your feet this morning? And as you stand up on your feet this morning, maybe you're in here and maybe you, you, you're one of the persons that maybe don't realize all the things you can be grateful for. <clears throat> Here's what Psalm 100 verse 3 says, that God created you and not you yourself. You know the very first thing you can be grateful for today? 
is that you're alive. <laughs> the Bible says, you created us and not we ourselves. If you're here, you're not an accident. Hey, it, it don't matter how you got here. God knew it. God brought you. God gave you life. God called you. I, I love John chapter 6, verse 44. It says, make no mistake about it. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I'm just giving you 10 reasons to give thanks in case you hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> just 10 reasons to give thanks. God, according to Ephesians chapter 2, God saved you. And we are saved by grace and through faith, not of ourselves, but they are gifts of God. God gave you not only the faith to believe, but the grace to be saved. God filled you. The Bible says that, that we are the tabernacle of God, filled with God, that God's spirit is inside of me, talking to me, strengthening me, encouraging me, convicting me. I love Psalm 143, verse 8. It's, we used to say it like this in the old days. Who woke you up this morning? Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy. I'm going to teach y'all that one day. Who woke you up this morning? No, you say, Our Father, who art in heaven. Who woke you up this morning? Who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. The Bible says God woke you up this morning. The Bible says in Psalm 68, verse 6, that God sets the solitary. He sets the lonely in a family. I could go through this room today if I didn't want to embarrass people and point out some people that I know that could be solitary. They could be isolated, but here you are this Thanksgiving surrounded by your family and your children when otherwise the enemy would have not wanted you to. The Bible says, check this out, Ephesians 1 and 3, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places when he gave us Christ Jesus. Many of us, oh, God bless me. God bless me. No, God's saying, just wake up to the realization that I have already blessed you. Psalm 91, he that abides under the shadows of the Almighty. Mm, somebody want to finish that? Shall dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And under his wings shall he take refuge. God has protected you. There's been many a times the devil has come for you. Come for your family. Come for your children. Come for your marriage. Come for your life. Come for your sanctity and your peace. And God has stayed his hand when you never knew he did. And I love this. John chapter 10 verses 28 through 30. The Bible says that God has given us the assurity of eternity. That we don't have to take no thought in tomorrow. For tomorrow has already been taken care of by our God. Oh, I wonder, is there anybody in here today? that would just want to give God a shout of praise, that would just want to give God thanks today.